0: But one. Well, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. You think I'm off with you? I am not enough with you. And I'm here on a mission of mercy. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to
1: it. We know things are bad worse than bad. A, B, C. I want you to get back. Always be closing you gotta say i'm a human being damn it my life has value
0: this is the Might to anger podcast i want you to get up now i want all of you to get up out of your chairs i want you to get up right now and go to the window open it and stick your head out and yell you can't spell danger without A-N-G-E-R. What's your name?
1: Oh, you! That's my name!
0: This is the Mike Anger Podcast.
1: That's my name!
0: Now, here's
1: Mike Danger. That's my name! Episode 8 of the Mike Anger Podcast is on, and it's all about Scotch. Thank you for listening at RochesterBuzz.com, also on AKA mikedanger.com. Today, Nathan Keeney is on with us. He is the man behind scotchnoob.com, a website I stumbled across when I made the commitment, Nathan, to become a scotch drinker. It's great. When when I grew up, beer was the easiest and most accessible beverage. You could get a lot of it, you could drink a lot of it. Uh, and I think as you grow older, you you refine your taste a little bit. Now, I have been kind of pulling back and scaling back on my beer consumption but I felt now with I felt now might be the time to to try drinking scotch so I tried to do some research talk to some friends who who drink scotch did a little research online that's when I stumbled across your site scotchnoob.com and I thought to myself well here's everything that I'm looking for resources tips guides what made you decide to become a scotch drinker Nathan
0: well, um, it was a couple years ago, uh, about four years ago. Um, my brother-in-law was taking a, a whiskey appreciation class, and uh, he 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 was uh, getting really excited about it, and because uh, he he never had a, you know high-end whiskey either, uh, so he started sharing with me what he what he discovered in the bottles he was buying, and uh, at that time, you know, the whiskey I'd had before were things like Jim Beam and Jack Daniels, and to me, whiskey was just something disgusting that you drank as quickly as possible. Correct. Yeah, and so um uh, when he was sharing with me these uh, single malt scotches that he'd found, uh I was just amazed at how how, how high quality they were, how uh, flavorful they were and how they didn't just make my face grow and my eyes tear up like uh Jack Daniel's used to do. Um so, you know, that that kind of opened my eyes to to what was possible in the in the whiskey world and uh made me really want to explore more. Um and as I started to explore more, I realized I wanted to share that experience with people. Uh, so I started uh, started the blog and started just sort of writing uh, my experiences. If I went to a bar and tried a new whiskey, I wanted to share um, with whoever wanted to listen what the experience was like and what I was learning as I went.
1: One of the things, uh, one of the arguments that I heard immediately when I, when I started to tell people I'm going to start drinking scotch was, Ah, what about bourbon? No, drink bourbon. Um... And then other people are like, oh, yeah, I started drinking scotch when I started watching Mad Men. But Mad Men, he's drinking that Canadian club whiskey, right? I mean, there's differences in all of these different types of whiskey, correct?
0: Yes. Um, the, the biggest difference is going to be from the ingredients uh, used in the, the beer that they make in order to distill. And, of course, in the local laws for the country in which, or the region in which it, it's aged or, or uh, distilled. So, obviously, scotch has to come from Scotland. And it has a bunch of other rules. It has to be at least three years old. It has to be aged in oak barrels. Um, and in terms of single malt scotch, it has to come from a single distillery. It can't be mixed with other things. Um, um, something like bourbon has to be made in the U.S. and uh, has a couple of similar, similar rules, but it's also made from a combination of corn and uh, other grains, including rye. So that's, that's kind of the big difference.
1: Have you found recently in the last few years uh, since you've been blogging about Scotch? And I, I see your your headline on your blog is that this is Scotch talk for a new generation of Scotch drinkers. And I remember uh, watching the movie Swingers uh, many years ago, and and watching awkward Mikey in that movie try to order a Scotch. It was it was it looked like a challenge just ordering the drink. Like he didn't know what he was talking about. And then you fast forward to. Um, to now, like I mentioned, Mad Men before. I mean, here's, here's a group of cats that just make smoking and drinking look so casual and cool that it's almost impossible to think somebody wouldn't be influenced to at least try drinking scotch again. Mm-hmm. Do you find that in, in the past few years there is uh, a new generation of scotch drinkers coming up that that aren't just, it's not just a drink for your old man or your grandfather anymore, is it?
0: Absolutely. and uh, in fact uh, there's been kind of an explosion in um in whiskey in general, but also in in particular in the last five ish years. Um, uh, the the rates of consumption and the the, the prices and the, the sort of general fervor has just increased um you know exponentially in that time. Um, they're calling it a whiskey boom. It actually happens cyclically. It happens every every twenty years or so. Um Whiskey, and scotch in particular, become very popular, and all the distilleries struggle to keep up with the demand, because, of course, you have to age all that whiskey, so you can't make a whole lot more as soon as as it all sells out. Um, And then those whiskey booms are often followed by whiskey busts, where it goes out of fashion, and everybody says, oh, that's my grandpa drink, you know. And um, right now, we're definitely in the midst of a whiskey boom. All the prices are going up. People are going to, to uh, liquor stores and asking for specific bottles that they're having trouble finding because they're uh, in such high demand that they're running out of them.
1: Your website boasts that you you, you review um, whiskeys that are under $100. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, that there's a big difference between the $100 and under whiskeys uh, or that, that you really, to really get some of these flavors and flavors? and taste that you're talking about that you have to go with bottles that are more than a hundred bucks. Give me a comparison.
0: Well, what I find, what I found when I first started was that uh, anything below $30 was going to be mostly priced for, for mixing, for, for adding to soda or ice or mixers. And
1: those are your blended um, whiskeys, correct? Your blended scotches?
0: Yeah, blended scotch or uh, inexpensive bourbon, things like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the good single mal- malts start around $30, or they used to. Now they've gone up to about $40. Um, the, the bottles that really excited me when I first started were between 40 and 60. They were the 12 year old scotches for the most part, uh, some slightly older 14 14- and 16 year old scotches. Those were the ones that I felt I could afford, and that really offered me the flavor and the aroma and the, the experience that I was looking for. I could, you know, kick back with a glass. I didn't feel guilty about drinking, you know, uh, a twelfth of a bottle that cost $50 in one sitting. Um, as soon as you get up into the 80 and $90 range, you're starting to talk about limited edition or older whiskeys. Um, things that have marginally increased value, increased uh, taste and aroma and... So the flavors that only come from older scotches that have spent more time in a barrel. Um, and those are certainly worth it when that's what you're looking for. But for everyday drinking, you know, that's <laughs> a little expensive. And then as soon as you go over the $100 mark, you're starting to talk about uh, really specialty whiskeys, things that are coming from single casks that are um, difficult to find or that are exceptionally old. Uh, Something like the Macallan 18-year, for example, Mm -hmm. when I started, it was $120 a bottle, which was pricey, but it was kind of a special occasion whiskey. Now it's going up to nearly $200 a bottle, which is just way out of my price range.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What what do you do, if you don't mind me asking?
0: I'm a software developer.
1: So you're on the West Coast, Mm -hmm. software developer. And, And whiskey's just kind of become your hobby. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and your brother got you started, and we're talking with uh, Nathan Keeney, who is the man behind scotchnoob.com, a website that I discovered uh, on my quest to becoming uh, a scotch drinker. And one of the articles that I read, it wasn't on your website, but it was in, in the process of finding your website, uh, a, st- a story was told of, of people who, and, and this was the case with me, who don't have a taste for scotch. Or they perceive that they don't. They they believe that they don't have a a taste for scotch. My my first experience drinking scotch was at a bar with a couple of buddies, and they ordered me uh, two fingers of Johnny Walker Blue neat. And I'm looking at the glass like like it's something I've never seen before. I don't know what I'm doing with this. Am I drinking it? Am I am I shooting it? Am I sipping it? And they're like, No, you sip it. So I sip it, and my mouth erupts into flame. And, and I think to myself, I'm never drinking scotch. Why would anybody drink this? And then one of, my buddy, one of the same guys that was out, that bought me, that ordered me that drink, uh, bought me a bottle of the Macallan 12 for, for Christmas. And I thought, well, that's great. I'm never drinking it. So it left, you know, it, it stayed in my liquor cabinet, mostly um, untouched, you know, with the, exceptional, with the exception of a of, of friend coming over, you know, wanting to have some. Uh, but, you know, I tried it again uh, a couple of years ago. I just, you know, hey, let's just try it. Let me just try it again. And the same thing. So I, I'm like, I, you know, I know I'm going to have a problem with the taste. I just don't know if I have a taste for because all I really drink is beer. I don't really even drink a lot of mixed drinks. Mm-hmm. And and then uh, I, I read this article, uh, I, and I don't know who the author was, but it basically talked about how his grandfather uh, taught him to drink scotch. And it was... Uh, a process. It was a thirty-day process of starting with scotch on the rocks with some extra water added to it, you know, and and slowly increasing the amount of scotch in the glass and decreasing the amount of ice and water in the glass to the point where, w- with a blended scotch, to the point where uh, you're able to drink the blended scotch neat, and then you're ready to try. A single malt scotch. But whatever you do, don't put water or ice in that single malt scotch. And, and you would disagree with that, right? I mean, there really is no right or wrong way to learn to drink scotch, is there?
0: No, that's right. I mean, anything that, uh, anything that you enjoy, you know, you shouldn't let anybody tell you that you're doing it wrong if you're enjoying it. Um, but one thing I tell people when they ask me this question, you know, how should I drink it? Is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? What I say is, as long as you try all of the various ways to do it, as long as you heed the advice and try one way and try it another, then you know you can decide for yourself what you prefer, what you like to drink. Um, you know, if you want to buy a single malt and put ice on it, then go right ahead. But make sure you try it without ice first to see if it's any
1: better for you. I'm having a hard time pronouncing some of these scotches that you have listed on your website. What's the trick? How do I pronounce, is it, it's the Balvany?
0: It's Balvany, yeah.
1: Balvenie. Lagavulin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glen Morangie. Yep. Really? I'm getting these right? Yeah, you got them right. Lafroig. Yeah, that's right. Glendronach? Uh,
0: that one's Glendronic.
1: Glendronic. Mm-hmm. I'm doing okay, so may- maybe I just got to get my, uh. I just got to think Scottish when I'm trying to read these. There's one here That's with right. Aberlour. Uh, bu- I don't know what that is. Aberlour. Uh, bu- what, help me out. That one's Aberlour Abuner. Yeah, there's a D next to an H. I don't know what that sound is.
0: Yeah, yeah a lot of those. Uh, a lot of the names come from um, local local places and landmarks in Scotland. So they'll uh, often a, a distillery will name a whiskey or name the distillery itself after a local mountain or a river or a valley or um, a castle, things like that. And a lot of those names are, are Old Scotch Gaelic. Uh, so that's why you see all these crazy names. And there are some, some worse ones. There's like um, Bunahaban, which is, doesn't look anything like how it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, Bukhladi, um, things like that.
1: What is, um, I mean, your website goes in depth and in detail in, in every single bottle that you review and, and you know you're pretty you're pretty open and honest about whether or not you think this is something somebody should drink or not many of these mm-hmm. scotches fall under the not recommended uh, heading what, what, is, what is it that makes a scotch in your mind just unsuitable to drink that you wouldn't recommend to a friend
0: um, you, well the way I do my rating system um, I, I think in terms of is the is the whiskey that I'm drinking? First of all, is it worth what was charged for it? Mm-hmm. Is it worth what they're asking for it? Because I feel like the best scotch in the world, you know, can be six hundred dollars a bottle or a thousand dollars a bottle, and I'm not going to recommend that to anybody because you know people are not going to go out and grab a bottle, <laughs> six hundred dollars. <throat> Excuse me. Um, so that's the first thing I consider. The second thing I consider is is it in, in the category that it exists in, so if it's, if it's been aged in sherry barrels, for example, it's going to have kind of a standard uh, set of, of characters, uh, sort of notes and aromas. You know, it, is it better than similar sherry-aged whiskies in this category? Um, you know, is there a better alternative out there? And if there is, if I've had something before that's similarly priced, that's in a very similar category and it's better, then I'm not going to recommend this one.
1: About how many bottles do you think you've reviewed over the course of the last three or four years that you've done scotchnoob.com?
0: I have about 185 reviews now, and I've probably tasted maybe 30 more than that that I didn't review.
1: Didn't review because they fell uh, out of the criteria that it should be a bottle under $100? Uh,
0: Some of them, yeah. Uh, If I go to a bar and I get something... um, Special, like once I had a thirty-five-year-old Macallan um, that was from an independent bottler, and it's the kind of thing that nobody's going to be able to find because mm-hmm. this one bar got this bottle probably ten years ago, you know, and uh, and it's not on the shelf anywhere, um, so I didn't bother reviewing it. Actually, believe it or not, that thirty-five-year-old Macallan wasn't very good.
1: <laughs> if if you've got hundred bucks in your pocket and you've got one bottle that you can buy, what is it? Can I buy two bottles for $50? You see you're a value shopper. No, just buy one, the best one that you can get for under $100. Under 100. Um let's
0: see. Probably well, my favorite peated scotch under $100 is uh the Ardbeg Cory Brecken.
1: Explain that. Explain peated, peated because that's that's a term that get that I hear a lot when I'm re- and read a lot when I'm uh reading about scotch. That's the smokiness to to the the scotch, right?
0: Yes, and there's, there's two ways that a whiskey can get peat in it. One is <clears throat> from the water that they use, because, because when whiskey is distilled and aged in a barrel, it's very, very high proof, uh, between 65 and 80% alcohol. And when they bottle it for consumption, generally they add water to it, uh, to bring it down to the 40 to 45% that people are used to drinking. Um, so that water can have trace amounts of peat from the local peat bogs that the uh, water flows over in Scotland. So that's got, that, that contributes a lot to the sort of earthy flavor of, uh, of those kinds of scotches. The other more important way that peat can get in the whiskey is that the malted barley that they use is dried using smoke from a peat fire. And that's a traditional method that was used hundreds of years ago for all scotch. So 200 years ago, there was, all scotch was peated, and it was because it was always dried over these peat fires. Um, so what happens is it gets really smoky, it gets really earthy, and the more smoke it's used, the, the more they keep the windows open, uh, the more smoke circulates through as it dries, um, the stronger that flavor is going to be. So if you pick up something from the region of Isla, which is a, an island off the southwest coast of Scotland, it's going to have a lot of that character, because that's, they, they use that style pretty exclusively in Isla. So that would be your Laphroaig, Lagavulin, Ardbeg. Those are the, kind of the three big ones.
1: And, and okay, so back to your under $100 bottle of scotch.
0: Yeah, so the Ardbeg Cori is is my favorite bottle for under $100. Uh, and it's, it's very peated. It's also cast strength, so they don't add any water to it. Um, so you kind of either have to dilute it at home or uh, drink it straight and just be prepared for it to burn the surface of your tongue off.
1: Ardbeg Cori I'm looking at how it's spelled versus how you pronounce it. I got it. I think I got it. Okay. If you've got over 100 bucks and you've got one bottle, where are you going?
0: Um, I think that there, there are a couple of distilleries that put out really high-quality products that are over 18 years of age. So Macallan 18 is very good, although it's $200 a bottle now. Yeah. Um, but there are other, other distilleries that are a little less known, so their product is just as good, but it's um, equally aged. So uh, Glendronic is one of my favorite distilleries. Uh, they have an 18 and a 21 year old that are over $100 and i think that's probably
1: what i would spend it on. Glendronic on over 100, okay. I got my Macallan 12 uh, waiting for me at home because i'm just i'm i'm i feel like it's my training wheels. It's the only bottle that i've ever had and i okay. want to make sure that i'm committed and that i do enjoy the taste uh, before i i go exploring into other uh, other distillers and other bottles of of scotch. Is that a good strategy? What do you think?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I started. I, I tried one or two things with, with my brother-in-law, and then he helped me choose uh, two bottles that I bought. And I you know, I worked my way through those bottles and sort of acquired a taste for them, um, you know, learned to distinguish uh, the difference between them. And then once I'd finished those, I was ready to branch out. I was ready, ready to try as many new things as I could um, before deciding on my next purchase.
1: For anybody who is... Uh, looking to get into scotch start drinking scotch as an alternative to just drinking beer all the time or mixed drinks all the time uh, scotchnoob.com is the website Nathan Keeney is who I'm speaking with and Nathan what would you suggest to that person that that person that may be thinking you know what I'm going to start drinking scotch where do you start?
0: Um, the first thing to do before you buy anything would be to go to find a local bar that's got more than just the, the basic uh, liquor on the shelf so Find a bar that serves, uh, you know, McAllen 12 is a good place to start. Uh, anything from the Balvenie is a good place, and those are pretty, pretty widely distributed. Um, anything except Glenlivet and Glenfiddich, which are, are good, but they're not, not great introductions because they're a little rough and they're, they're on the cheap side, um, the 12-year-old. Thing. Uh, so you find a bar, find you know, any, any of those sort of lower end but, but not the, the bottom. Uh, And make sure it's a single malt scotch uh, instead of a blend. And order a glass of it neat or straight, which means no water, no ice. Um, And then take a sip and hold it in your mouth. Uh, This is kind of the best advice I ever received when I was first starting out. Don't try to swallow it right away. Don't shoot it. Uh, Don't try to get it out of your mouth as quickly as you can. Let it actually burn on your tongue. And it will burn. It will make your eyes water a little bit. But let it burn for at least 10 seconds. Just Let it sit there. And then swish it around your mouth, uh, taste it, um, you know, see, see if you can determine something other than just alcohol flavors because there's going to be flavors from the wood, there might be some vanilla, there might be some uh, fruity flavors, and then swallow it. And what you'll find is when you hold it in your mouth for a while and let it burn and then swallow it, it won't sear your throat like a, like a shot does. And that allows you to continue tasting it and not shudder and push the glass away.
1: And I could say from experience that what you just described is what I did uh, as I started to drink scotch again, and I actually enjoy it. I dig it. I I don't have the same experience now that I had the first few times I tried scotch, which is like, oh god, never again. And like mm-hmm. holding it in your mouth for a few minutes, getting it, getting that taste. At you know, it doesn't burn as bad, and you can taste some of the differences of the flavors that are, that are in any particular scotch. Mm-hmm. Nathan, I really uh, appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you're probably very busy with, with everything you've got. Your day is just starting. So taking time out to talk to us on the Mike Danger podcast today. It's uh, Nathan Keeney from ScotchNoob.com. If you're into scotch, uh, whether you're starting out or you're not, I, I suggest it. It's a great website. It's a great resource. You've done an unbelievable job with it. Congratulations.
0: Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate you listening to and downloading the Mike Anger podcast on rochesterbuzz.com and also on aka MikeDanger.com. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes, and we will be back with another episode soon on rochesterbuzz.com and aka MikeDanger.com.